Hello, my friends. I have an absolutely delightful conversation to share with you today. I am chatting with author Katherine Price about the power of fun. The power of fun is so important, and she has a fantastic new book out about the science behind the power of fun. We actually had so much fun talking to each other, and I think you are going to have a bunch of light bulb moments with this conversation. So let's dive in. Let's dive in immediately. I'm Sharon McMahon, and welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. You know, we were chatting before about just how challenging the last couple of years have been. I don't think there's anybody who is like, these unprecedented years have been completely joyful. <laughs> yeah, I think the one person in the world who's done that is my six-year-old. Like, you know, like the depths of last winter, she was like, this is the best year ever. And we looked at her Aww. and we're like, please hold on to that. Please, you were the <laughs> yes. only person in the world. But yes, I agree. It's not been like the peak, peak, no. <laughs> peak fun of humanity for the no. past two years. These are not going to be the good old days. Yeah, they'll just be the old days. <laughs> be like, oh my goodness. I am so glad that's over. Days. Days. (laughs) Not the good old days. So I'm curious, first of all, you're a science journalist and your work has appeared. Pick a top publication, top magazine, top newspaper. It's just been everywhere. You've written a number of books. And I'm so curious about what it was that made you uh, choose this topic and choose this topic about how to have fun now. Well, this book, The Power of Fun, is actually a direct follow-up to my last book, which was called How to Break Up with Your Phone. Mm-hmm. And at first, there might not seem to be an obvious connection there. But basically, what happened was <laughs> I had this kind of wake-up moment where I realized that I was letting my life be stolen from me in five-minute increments from under my nose on my phone. And I decided I wanted to change. And I wrote this book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. And then as a result of that book, I did make a lot of changes in my own life and perhaps unsurprisingly ended up with a lot more free time. Mm -hmm. And I did not realize when writing how to break up with your phone that really that's the first step. The second step is to figure out what you actually want to do with your free time. Yes. Right. And then I remember having this kind of wake up moment for this book where I was taking a break from my phone and all devices. My husband and I were doing this practice that people call a digital Sabbath of just taking a 24 hour break from all of our technology. Yep. I was in the same room. I am right now speaking to you. And I had this hour ahead of me because my daughter was napping. My husband was out of the house where I could do whatever I wanted to. And I couldn't think of a single thing I wanted to do. And it was a horrible moment. I thought, oh my God, I'm just sitting here waiting for dinner, which essentially means I'm sitting here waiting to die. That's where my mind went. And I ended up um, asking myself a question that I had asked people during my research for how to break up with your phone, which was what's something you say you want to do, but you supposedly don't have time for. Yes. You know, which I recommend everyone ask themselves. And I'd never thought to ask myself that question, even though I'd asked all these other people. And my answer was guitar. I want to learn how to play guitar. And I ended up signing up for a class the next day. And that one little decision and moment led to this adventure that not only introduced me to a whole new source of joy in the form of music, but also got me very curious in what I now recognize as fun. And so that was Mm. the moment that led to the exploration that in turn led to this book. Mm, I love that because that it's such a powerful question, right? We we've all heard the adage that it's not that you don't have time. It's that you are, you're not prioritizing whatever it is. People who are saying, I don't have time to go to the gym. It's that you have other things that are a priority. Like that's not a priority for me. Mm. Try saying that's not a priority for me and see how that feels instead right? Exactly. Like that's not at the top of my list. That's why we don't have time for it. Exactly. Cause you that's make right. time for the things that you make time for. That's right. So. Right. But see, that's not, that's not fun for you, but it is fun for some people, for some people that actually is a source of joy. Um, see, I think that's where we get into the definition of fun. Yes. Let's talk about what does fun mean? Okay. <laughs> What's it, what so, define it? So to explain how I came to kind of think about the definition of fun, as I said, I signed up for this guitar class 
I started going to this guitar class. It was like a BYOB, very laid back guitar class at a local music studio that actually normally does kids music classes, but also has an adult program. And as I was in this, these classes, I just felt this sense of energy and this feeling of happiness and buoyancy mm-hmm. that wasn't unfamiliar. You know, I'm a pretty happy person, but it was very powerful. And it was something I hadn't experienced in that way with that regularity in a while. And I noticed that the feeling stayed with me for the days after the class. I just felt much more lighthearted and playful and alive, frankly. And I got really interested in trying to figure out what that feeling was. Like, what's the word to describe this feeling? And I realized that the feeling was fun. Like I was having fun. And I also realized it wasn't about the activity. Like at first I was like, oh, I just, it's because I'm learning guitar, but it wasn't that. It was something bigger than that. There was something kind of more profound almost to it. It was nice to have a new skill, but it wasn't about that. It was this feeling it was giving me. So I got really curious about what fun is. If that feeling can be described as fun, then what is the definition of fun? And I was really fascinated to discover that there's not a good agreed upon definition of fun. If you look it up in the dictionary, you'll find things like lighthearted pleasure or just amusement. And I think that's true and can definitely describe what you're talking about from people who are looking at Instagram, but it didn't really tap into the profundity of what I was experiencing, this kind of, I don't know, this visceral sense of life. So then I was like, okay, is that just me being me? And, you know, I've already revealed that I'm very existential. (laughs) Am I just over being overly dramatic about this? So I ended up recruiting this huge group of people from around the world that I called the fun squad to test out my definitions and see what they thought fun was. And one of the first things I did with that group was that I asked them to actually share with me three experiences from their own lives that they would describe as having truly been fun. I didn't propose my definition. I didn't want to bias them, but I just wanted to gather these stories first. And then, then I proposed my definition several pages into the survey. But when I read people's experiences that they described, it was the same energy. It was so interesting. They were telling me these stories that ranged from dramatic things that involved, you know, exotic trips and kind of your stereotypical, like, oh, that sounds so fun. But there were also all these little moments, you know, of going out in the rain with their grandfather and deliberately getting soaked or staying up late one night with their mom after redecorating their bedroom as a pink Parisian oasis and talking in funny accents. Or just someone talked about squishing mud through her toes with her friend, Margaret, and how this was so fun. And it was fascinating to me that there was the same energy running through these stories that they were sharing. And the definition that I proposed, which spoiler alert, the vast majority of people said, actually, this really does describe my experience, is that this feeling of true fun happens when we experience a combination of three states. And those three states are playfulness, connection, and flow. And to clarify, by playfulness, I don't mean you got to play a game. Adults hate the word playfulness. So if you're Mm -hmm. clenching up inside, guys, it's okay. Relax. (laughs) It's just being lighthearted and not caring too much about the outcome, doing something just for the sake of doing it. Mm -hmm. That's really unusual for adults. And then connection. I think you can have fun alone. I think some people can, but in truly the majority of stories people shared with me, another person or another creature was involved. You know, sometimes it was like a dog, but it's another, it's a special shared experience. This was true for introverts as well as extroverts. And then flow is the feeling of getting so engaged in your present experience that you lose track of time. Mm. Now that, and there's an important clarification there, which is that flow is an active state. So if you're passively consuming something, you can't be in flow. That's what's called junk flow. It's more like hypnosis. And I think that's an important distinction because a lot of times when we do things, quote unquote, for fun, we're actually doing things that induce a state of this junk flow. And for many people that would include scrolling through Instagram. So the reason I'm kind of pushing back on the idea that Instagram could be true fun for anyone. Well, first of all, I've collected literally thousands of anecdotes of fun from people all around the world, and none of them have scrolling through social media as one of their Mm -hmm, (laughs) true fun experiences, but also because it's so often passive and there's so often an element of judgment of yourself or of other people and judgment is antithetical to flow. Like you can't be in it and it's not playful and there's not a sense of active engagement. And then I also Mm. think there's a really important distinction between true fun, which is that playful connected flow. And what I think of as fake fun, which are activities that are marketed to us as fun and that might produce an initial jolt of pleasure, but they're essentially just like junk food. They might be 
fun in small doses, but difficult not to consume in excess. And then when you do, you end up feeling gross. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Isn't that true of anything, though? I mean, like, isn't that true of like, I've been on vacation for too long. I need to get home. Oh yeah. Well, but I think that that's not when you're having true fun. So true fun is really this like active, engaged, joyful state that when it happens, at least for me, I can't get enough of, I mean, I'm sure I could get enough of at some point, but I I find that the only time (laughs) I like going to bed at a very reasonable hour, like 10, right. If I look back on the past four years and I, I can tell you the nights that I stayed up way past that bedtime and they all were when I was having true fun and they all involved me staying up till like three in the morning because Mm -hmm. I was having so much fun. I didn't want to stop. And I might end up tired afterwards, but I never regret. I don't feel gross. I feel amazing. And that joy that comes from having had that fun buoys me. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, as an example, I got together with some friends in a parking lot. I'm 43 and I was like in a parking lot and playing music <laughs> on a guitar. We started at like nine and all of a sudden it was 2.45 in the morning. I thought, uh-oh, like what just happened? All of us were like, what just happened? What did we do? <laughs> you know, and it took a day or two to physically recover from it. I can tell you that was like three weeks ago. I'm still feeling the positive effects. So I think when mm. you're truly having fun, you can kind of tell if you want to get home from the vacation, you're not having true fun in that moment. Mm. Why do you think we need to be taught how to have fun? (laughs) Oh God, so many reasons. We're so out of practice. I mean, I think, I think we're, yeah, adults have just been guided in the wrong direction for so much of our lives. Like kids are much more able to tap into true fun than adults are because they're not self-critical yet. They don't have phones yet. Hopefully they're not performing their lives. They're actually living their lives and they're not so concerned about making mistakes you know, they're willing to keep trying Mm -hmm. and try new things because everything's new. So they're at an advantage. I think adults, we're we're a really out of practice. B, we have a lot of responsibilities. I mean, that we legitimately have to take care of, but we've also kind of internalized this feeling that we can't have fun. It feels frivolous and it feels self-indulgent. We think Mm -hmm. that we can't be people who prioritize fun and be people who take the responsibilities seriously or who do good work in the world, because there's obviously a lot of problems in the world that need to be addressed. Right. Mm -hmm. But we have this very zero sum approach to life. And we also seem to think we've been conditioned to think that our time is money. And so the best uses of our time are the uses of time that results in money. Mm -hmm. And so we work all the time. Ironically, of course, then we spend our leisure time that we have worked so hard to have. We're so tired that we end up just spending it on passive consumption (laughs) and junk flow. 
but I think what I've, or I know what I've found in my research is that this is totally backwards because fun is actually not frivolous. It's actually essential to our happiness and our mental and our physical health. And the more fun you're having, the more energy you're going to have to address the less fun things in your life mm. to actually be someone who causes positive change. Cause you're not going to be run down and depleted all the time. And that's something that I've found to be particularly powerful about fun. Mm, I love that. Somebody asked me recently, we were talking about political extremism. This is not a question about your political beliefs, just more of a concept of like the, the idea of the growth of political extremism, turn on any cable news channel, right? And you can see I'd, a lot. I'd rather a lot, not. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of angry people. A lot of angry people. No, nobody on cable news is like, I'm having a great day. You know what I mean? Like, how's your day going, buddy? Right. Um, And so I was commenting that like, I don't, I don't have any time for that because that seems like you're just existing in this energy state of perpetual anger. Like pick a political spectrum. I don't care if we're talking about political extremism on the left or the right. It just seems like, like, am I supposed to just feel anger 24 seven? Like, that's not fun. Like I, I can, would rather just like a lot of things I'd rather be doing than hyping myself up into a state of rage. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, right? <laughs> so, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, actually, I often say, you know, I used to live in, in California and there were, there's, you know, there's like so many bumper stickers. I'm from New York originally, so I have a low tolerance for bumper stickers. Um, <laughs> but there's this bumper sticker that was everywhere. That was, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, uh, maybe I am paying attention. I'm just choosing not to pay attention only to things that outrage me because yes. things that outrage me, because why would I want to do that? So I, I think you bring up a very important point that that is one of the most powerful aspects of fun is that when we are having fun with people, our differences melt away. It allows us to connect with our shared humanity and to see people as people. You cannot get in an argument with someone when you're laughing hysterically with them. You know, fun brings us together. And right now there's so many forces that are driving us apart, including again, going, sorry to harp on social media here, but you know, that's yeah. a problem. And yeah. To me, that is one of the most powerful things. You can have bitter disagreements politically with someone and then have a wonderful time dancing with them at a wedding or mm -hmm. doing something fun together, like having this experience. And I think that's an un under-acknowledged benefit of fun. So the more we, more people have fun together, the more they'll be able to see each other as people and not focus on differences, but instead focus on what we all have in common. So I think mm. it's a really beautiful thing about fun. Mm. That's such a great point. It's really hard to hate people up close. Yes. And it's also hard to have fun from far away. Ooh, oh yes. Those are very true statement. I like that. <laughs> so not that you can never have fun on a zoom call, you know, like not that you can never uh, have fun on talking to your friend that lives overseas. You're like, not that that can never be fun, but generally speaking, it's, if you're having fun with somebody up, up close, it's really hard to see them as anything other than a human of infinite worth. Exactly. Right? And, you know, there's a book, um, I don't know if you've read called humor seriously, which I recommend mm -hmm. to you and your listeners. And the authors actually would be interesting guests. Mm -hmm. They're these Stanford professors who teach a class on humor in the business school. And they have two anecdotes in their book that you just reminded me of about how in their case, they're talking about humor, but in terms of political things and using fun as a way to bring people closer and see each other as humans in a way that actually is quite productive. And they share these mm -hmm. two stories. One is in George Bush's cabinet. Uh, this story, I think it was Alan Greenspan. It was like one of his first days making this presentation and George W. Bush made fun of him because he had tan socks on. I mean, just <laughs> playfully, like playfully mm -hmm. ribbing him. And I think Alan Greenspan was a little flustered. And then some other people on the team realized, oh, this is a good opportunity for like a, a funny joke. And so at the next meeting, they surreptitiously got everybody, including Dick Cheney, to wear tan socks to the meeting. <laughs> and so as it's starting, they all kind of like hiked their pants up a little bit so that all their socks were showing. And at some point, George W. Bush saw this, just started cracking up and they all laughed. And they said it really like made them closer as a group. 
And that mm-hmm. little moment of playfulness and fun like stayed with them. They also apparently saran wrapped Carl Rove's car as a side note. Of hilarity. <laughs> but then on the other side, there was also a story they told about Madeleine Albright going on this diplomatic mission in Asia. It was at some big conference and she's doing this high stakes negotiation with her Russian counterpart. It was about Myanmar or something. And apparently at this conference, there's a tradition of skits. You have to do a skit. <laughs> and so someone approaches Madeline Albright with the lyrics to Mary Had a Little Lamb. And for, she was like supposed to sing this. And to her great credit, she's like, this is a horrible idea. I'm not singing Mary Had a Little Lamb. But she ends up teaming up with the Russian guy. And the Russian delegation provides a lot of vodka. And they get together and they have this like late night in which she and this other guy rewrite the lyrics to West Side Stories, I Just Met a Girl Named Maria. So they called it East West Story and they rewrote it as I Just Met a Girl Named Madeline Albright. And she starts to sing it at the skit. And then the Russian counterpart gets up and joins her. They do this duet to much acclaim, right? And so they had this ridiculous experience and you might at first be like, what the heck does that have to do with diplomacy? This is serious. Like you shouldn't be playing tan sock jokes or saran wrapping a car or making a skit with the Russian. But in fact, she said that that connected them as humans and their entire relationship from their, that point forward was different. And even yes. though they had major disagreements and tough moments, they saw each other as humans. It became a friendship and it was because they had that shared experience of fun. And I think mm. that's just really useful for us all to keep in mind. It's not frivolous. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so important. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. We've all had those embarrassing moments where maybe you've taken your shoes off and you realize like, oh no, oh no, that is not a good smell. Fortunately, Lumi whole body deodorant is making it so none of us ever have to worry about that again. Unlike certain other products, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. It delivers outrageous 72 hour odor control everywhere one might like to use it. In fact, it was patients' concerns about odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. Fast forward six years and her game-changing whole body deodorant now has over 300,000 five-star reviews. And it works without using heavy perfumes that mask odor, which I really appreciate. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, which is my favorite, and two free products of your choice, like deodorant wipes or a mini body wash. It also has free shipping. And as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's like 40% off their starter pack. So use code SHARON at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Mother's Day is almost here. And I want to take just a quick second to appreciate not only my mom, all the moms out there, but anyone who has taken on the role of caregiver. You do everything for someone else. And now it's time to do something for yourself. And that includes starting with your skin. And I've been using our sponsor OneSkin's products for a while now. And I have to tell you, I am really enjoying them. They are very easy to incorporate into my skincare routine. I am really liking the eye cream. And the secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It is the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And they have several studies to back it up. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code SHARON at oneskin.co. That's 15% off 
oneskin.co with code SHARON. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support this show and tell them we sent you. George W. Bush, regardless of whether or not you agree with him politically, he was very well known for his sense of humor. Yeah, and, he is, he's a fun guy. I mean, and he <laughs> and Michelle Obama are super good friends. BFF, yeah. Yes. And one of the reasons she likes him is because she loves his sense of humor and he makes her laugh. Every time you see pictures of them together, they're chuckling. It's kind of like a, an internet joke now that they make a beeline for each other when they're in the same room. They just clearly enjoy each other's company. And exactly. it, it really is centered on that sense of humor. Yeah, the sense of humor and that they have fun together. And I think that's yes. a great example to look at because it's like, yeah, they could get into a fight if they wanted to about their view on health totally. or like any other political issue, but they're choosing not to. And they have a great relationship. And I would think that it probably would help if they did then try to engage in a serious discussion. They'd be coming at it from a place of affection and closeness, even if they have disagreements, which is something I think we all could learn from right now. Mm, that's such a great point that when you take the time to have fun together, it makes potential disagreements much less volatile in the mm -hmm. future. And you might actually find yourself having more productive negotiations, more productive conversations. You're totally right that I think now, if Michelle Obama called George W. Bush and was like, listen, we got to talk about this thing. I know you feel this way, but here's how I feel they would probably find a much more reasonable solution than if from day one, she had just called him and been like, I don't care what you have to say. You're totally wrong on this topic. Completely. Including yeah. they have a relationship and it's been really facilitated by them enjoying each other's company and prioritizing fun and saying, and yeah, and focusing on what they share in common, which is their sense of humor. And I mean, I don't know, I'm projecting, now, but yeah, they really yeah, do seem yeah. like they like each other a lot. And uh, yeah. I derive joy from seeing, I think that's also interesting is when you see other people having fun, it really is yes. like a contagious feeling in terms of the totally. energy it can produce. And so it, I think that's a reason that, I mean, in addition to passing along things that cause fear and outrage, which we're definitely naturally inclined to do. We also want to share things that make us happy. Like if you find yes. something that makes you laugh, like an SNL skit or whatever it might be, there's a desire to share because that's a part of our human nature too. And I think that if you think more critically about fun and prioritize it more, you can also prioritize that kind of thing instead of mm -hmm. just defaulting to our brain's natural tendency to focus on the things that divide us. That's such a great point that we could actually choose to focus on like, let's focus on things that we enjoy. And it doesn't mean that we have to completely ignore the world's problems and just like stick our head in the sand and be like, well, the I'm homelessness isn't real. Like it's right. not, it's not pretending that things aren't real. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't work on those issues, but just in terms of how are we devoting our time? We could choose to spend our entire time on social media or in via email or whatever it is, sharing all the things that we feel outrage about. <laughs> but that again, doesn't seem like very much fun. Well, also, you know, it's so funny about that. It may be funny is the wrong word, but you know, people are like, oh, fun is frivolous. Blah. Well, that's frivolous too. I'm sorry. If you're just sharing screeds on Facebook, what's that really doing? That's not doing mm -hmm. anything at all. Mm -hmm. At least if you're mm -hmm. focusing on the positive, you're making at least yourself feel good. But when you're mm -hmm. just sharing outrage, you're not making anyone feel good and you're not doing anything to solve the problem. So in a way that's almost more frivolous, I would say, and stupid, <laughs> but you know, it's a great point. Yeah. And it occurs to me one idea, uh, if you've got any listeners who are like, well, great, but I can't saran wrap Carl Rove's car. What am I supposed to do to bridge <laughs> these political differences? Um, one practice that I've found to be really helpful for people is a practice of delight, noticing delights. And I got this idea from this book called appropriately the book of delights by this mm -hmm. poet named Ross Gay. And he wrote an essay every day for a year mm -hmm. about something that delighted him crazy. Mm -hmm. So what he would do is he'd notice something that delighted him and then put a finger in the air and say out loud delight. And then he'd write, write about it. And I just loved that. And what he noticed is that the more he tuned into delight, the more delights revealed themselves to him. And he describes it as being like tuning into a radio frequency, you know, just start to notice all these things. Mm -hmm. And so a friend and I started our own delight practice after reading that book. And so we would go around in our own lives and just notice things that delighted us and actually put a finger in the air and say delight out loud, even if we're alone which by the way, is like scientifically validated both those things to help you actually savor and uh, benefit from it's actually Remember benefit from the experience. Yeah. And actually boost your mood. So it's actually quite effective. But what we also started doing is just sending photos to each other over text of things that delighted us. 
And then I subsequently started doing that with other friends too. And then I suggested it to people on my mailing list and people on that list started doing it. You know, some people shared them on social media. Other people started a text chain, like a family text chain. But the reason I bring that up is that it provides a way for you to interact with say family members with whom you do have political differences Mm -hmm. and who you keep getting into these same arguments with, but who you still do love and you wish you could be closer with, right? Or at Mm -hmm. least you like enough that you wish you could be closer with. And you start a delight chain. And honestly, and every time I get a delight from a friend, I am delighted. It's a lovely Mm -hmm. contagious effect. My friend just the other day sent me pictures of ice crystals on his car windshield, which Mm -hmm. speaks to the fact that it doesn't need to be big. So anyway, if, if that idea is useful to anyone who's listening, it's, I can tell you it's quite effective and it is fun and it gets you in more of this mindset, as you were just saying, of focusing on the positive mm-hmm. and the good things without making it seem like you're a Pollyanna and without making it feel like a burden, you know, it's right. not more work. It's kind of like, oh, that red leaf is delightful. Delight. I love that idea. I, I frequently feel delight and I share it on my social media. And sometimes people like to tease me about the things that I tend to feel delight over. (laughs) What's one of those things? I'm curious. Whales. I absolutely love whales. And every time I see like a baby whale or like a whale breaching out of the water and like making this huge splash, it just delights me. I just love it. And so I frequently share pictures of whales and people are like, what in the Sam Hill is this account? Do you know what I mean? Like like random whale photos amidst everything else. I think that's delightful. I think that's like meta delight. I am delighted by the concept of your feed having like just random whale photos. It has a lot of like, I answer a lot of government questions. Like what is happening in Congress? And then legitimately nearly every day it is interspersed by delightful animal content that brings me delight. But some people have told me watching you be really amused by whales is very amusing. Yes, exactly. That's the emotional contagion, right? And I think that's the beautiful thing, but it's, and and it's really important to know that that's true for negative emotions too. You're around someone who's really stressed out or anxious or angry. You're probably going to get stressed out, anxious and angry too. So I think that all of this is kind of circling around the idea that we should be much more careful about what kind of emotional influences we allow into our lives and then how we choose to direct our own spotlight out of attention. Cause we do have the choice right now, for example, I'm choosing to focus entirely on our conversation. I have no idea what's going on in the street outside. I don't know what's going on in this room. Like that's my choice. And that means that that's what I'm going to remember. One of my biggest takeaways from writing how to break up with your phone was that our lives are what we pay attention to, right? Mm -hmm. Like you only experience what you pay attention to and therefore you only remember what you pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And it means that anytime we make a decision in the moment about where to pay attention. We're actually making a bigger decision about how to live our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important, especially now where there are so many potential sources of stress and anxiety and fear and outrage all around. That's all true, but there's also all of these daily delights there and there's all these whales, you know, there's like, there's little things or these opportunities. I mean, another thing I really think about a lot that I recommend for people, especially right now, we're you know, depending on where you are and what your take is like, I'm personally very cautious and I've really cut back on social activities because just things are really bad right now. Mm -hmm. There's not that many opportunities for socialization in the way that typically results in true fun for me, but I can find moments of playfulness in my day, or I can generate them. I can find moments of connection or I can generate them and the same for flow. And so I'm really trying to focus on creating or appreciating as many opportunities and moments of playfulness, connection, or flow as possible. Cause even if they happen on their own, it has a positive effect. It boosts my mood. It makes me feel just more purposeful, more joyful, and more alive. And then on occasion, when those three things, two or three of them happen at once, the effects are even better. But my point mm-hmm. being like, I'm really trying to use the concept of true fun to find this playful connected flow as a compass to get myself mm-hmm. to face a different direction instead of allowing all the sources of fear and anxiety to be my true North. I want fun to be my true North. And the more I head in that direction, the better my life is. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Where your attention goes, energy flows. You know, like that, you know, Mm. that phrase that what you're paying attention to is where your energy is going to be directed. And it goes back to this idea of like, why are people choosing to live their lives in states of anger when you could make a different choice? Right, right. Make a different choice and honestly make more of a difference in the world. We do not need more anger, right? We need more people to, to acknowledge the things that need to have attention paid to them, but then do positive things to change. Having stayed out and played guitar for, you know, in that parking lot like that, as I said, is still staying with me. And it actually relates to this theory called the broaden and build hypothesis by this woman named Barbara Fredrickson at UNC, which is basically that positive emotional experiences are not just the result of emotional well-being and resilience. They're actually a cause. And so the more positive emotional experiences you can have, the better you'll be able to weather periods of future emotional stress. Mm-hmm. I think that's useful at any time, but particularly now, considering how challenging the past two years have been. Yeah. So the more we can have positive experiences, the more resilient we'll be, not just in the moment, but going forward. One of the things I suggest to people is people will often ask me like, well, I really don't like my senator. <laughs> you know, I really don't like my representative. You know what? What if my representative doesn't show up for work? Whatever it is. One of the things I recommend to people just, just kind of as a life practice is watch for opportunities to let them know when you do approve of their behavior. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the positive reinforcement you give your children where you're like, I, I, really, I really like the way you put your dishes in the dishwasher. Or wait, did they catch them being good? That's what yes. my husband and I say, yes. catch them being good. That's, that's so right. funny to do that with because, your representative. Yes, because what- You did show up at work, good for yeah, you. That's right. I really like how you had that productive meeting with somebody from the opposite political party. Well, that's true. You know I think I that's mean? really important. Yeah. Or I really liked how you showed up at that kid's Eagle Scout presentation, mm-hmm. like whatever it is, even if you're like, this is dumb, why am I doing this? If you think about it, probably 99% of the messages that people in Congress get from their constituents are angry. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so all they're ever getting is angry feedback. I, I can almost promise you they would read the letter that is nice. They probably like stick it above I mean? their computer. Yes. You know what I mean? Like frame yes. it and a heart they're, on the wall. <laughs> that's right. They're, they're, you know, team that is going through their correspondence would be like, well, I have one for you. You might want to read this one. And you know, like that person then might file that away or get that little boost of neurotransmitter to be like, I should do more stuff like that. 
I think that's so important because I think you're completely right. There's this negative reinforcement where they can inc- like say they reach across the aisle, right? And then they get criticized by people who hate them for it. And yeah. the people who appreciate it aren't the ones who are going to be that's right. sending them a note, right? Because it's it's more motivating to be angry sometimes. But I think you're totally right that we should be reinforcing and thanking positive them for, behavior. And that that might actually if done over time by enough people shift things. And I also think that's a way to be much more convincing if you do disagree with them on something else, you know, say you really disagree with how you think they're going to vote on this one thing, but you also really appreciate that they did this other thing, like in the note to them, like say, I also, you know, I respectfully disagree with this and this is my reason, but I respect you for whatever else you were doing, you know, couch it in that way. Yep. Instead of as being an attack. And I just think that's much more effective in general. Yeah. And I think the more we tune into this idea of fun, even though it seems disconnected at first, like they're connected in my mind. Right. Mm-hmm, and the idea mm-hmm. of trying to find the shared humanity and really emphasizing connection, I think yeah. makes such a difference. I love that. And it doesn't take long to go to your representative's contact form on their mm-hmm. website and enter a four sentence email. Nobody is saying you need to get a PhD in literature before you write your representative a letter. People think like the letters need to be like, dear sir or madam, right, right. per my last request. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it needs to be some huge deal. And it doesn't, it could just be like, hey, my name's Sharon. I really appreciate how you showed up at that kid's Eagle Scout thing. It really meant a lot to him. It was great to see you being part of the community. Just wanted to let you know that I noticed and appreciated that. Does there not need go. to be fancy. Just cut and I paste mean? that and swap yeah. out the Eagle Scout thing. You should just put that <laughs> on right. your website like an option, like a Mad Lib, just like people can do that. I can auto-generate. That's no, right. it's so true though. And I think the other thing to pay attention to is how sending that kind of note makes you feel afterwards yes. compared to sending an angry note, because that's another thing that's been proven is like doing good things and kind things for other people makes us feel good too. So Mm -hmm. it's really very self-perpetuating and it creates a cycle of positive effects rather than just being like, well, I just fired off a howler of an email and hit send. And now you you have this moment of feeling really self-satisfied and self-righteous, but then ultimately it's just kind of reinforcing your own negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And you just like sent that to somebody else. That's not nice. And and I think also public figures have feelings too, guys. It kind of sucks if people Mm -hmm. are just criticizing you all the time. Yeah. This is one of the reasons I would never, ever want to be president. Imagine there being an entire 24 hour news cycle devoted to how horrible you are. (laughs) Right. That's true. Just pretty much just, yeah, just you. Wow. I hadn't thought about it Uh, that way. Just you are horrible to tens of millions of people. And they want to talk about it around the clock. Yes. Literally. Doesn't that sound like a horrible job? (laughs) There's many reasons I would not want to be president, but that is one of them. That's one of them. There are exactly. There's many reasons, but that is just like, I don't, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) You really would just have to not watch it and just be like oblivious to it because otherwise you would spend your whole day like mired in this like 50 million people think I'm the worst person alive on earth do you want to see something that brings me delight yes I have a you have a whale in your in your office no oh well yeah I do there's a whale back there oh she actually does there's a whale behind the lamp yeah let me show you the thing that I that I found recently that I was like that is delightful okay okay these are penguin feathers. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Look at how dense penguin feathers are. What? Wait, that's like a one feather or it's a wing. No, Wait, what? This, this is like it's okay, one so this, feather. This, she showed pe- me a very no, thick feather. No, this penguin no. died of old age. Okay. okay. Penguin died of old age, was not hunted or anything like that. And this is like, so this is like the penguin skin. And this uh-huh. is that black part that makes it black. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these are feathers. Those are individual wow. feathers. Can you see that? That looks so cozy. Individual feathers where it's like, it almost, you know how penguins look like they have skin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that just shows how dense the feathers are. That is very delightful. Isn't that kind of delightful? It really is. I kind of think so. I'm like, I've never seen that before. And it's kind of delightful to look at. We really could just continue having fun chit chatting about all the things that we think are fun. But I think it's a good point too, right? Like a lot of times people think having fun, even if they internalize or agree with my definition of playful connected flow, they think that there has to be this big production, big production. You got to go somewhere. You got to do something. You got to, you know, take a step away from your whole life. But in reality, if you start paying attention to your own life as it already is, 
if you're anything like me and many of the people I've spoken to, you'll start to notice you're actually having a lot more moments of playfulness, connection, and flow sometimes all together than you recognize. And once going to the theme of our conversation, once you start choosing to pay attention to those moments, you begin to appreciate them more. So for example, like I haven't gone anywhere during the course of this conversation. And if you've noticed, I'm not in Hawaii. I have not gotten on a plane. I'm just sitting sitting in my living room, still Mm -hmm. sitting here, but I've had true fun, like in Mm -hmm. the true full sense of the word with you, because I've been connected with you in a playful sense and I've been totally in flow. And so if I make a point of noticing that, you know, I like to think at the end of the day, like what were my moments of playfulness and connection and flow? I can say, oh yeah, that hour when I talked to Sharon, like that was fun. And then I start to catalog them. You start to realize like you have these moments. And to me, it's almost like gathering beads for a necklace or something. You just Mm -hmm. have these little moments that you then can look back at and savor and feel good about. And certainly Mm -hmm. some of those beads are going to be bigger than others, but there's a lot of them. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage people to try to do that yourself during the day and just notice what moments are already existing. And then think of what other, what else you could do to generate more playfulness, connection and flow for yourself and for other people and Mm. just see where that takes you. I love that too. I saw something on that. I was like, that's such a great idea where when you have that kind of an experience, just jot it down and then put them all in a jar. And then on new year's Eve, you can dump out the jar and reread all of the moments of fun you had throughout the entire year. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. You know, you could do it with delights too. Like any of those, just like a jar of delight. You know, I actually was thinking, I was trying to think about things I could do personally to kind of boost my own spirits during the winter and also share, boost other people's spirits too. And I was thinking it'd be kind of fun to like send out like delight jars. Like I have type one diabetes, so I can't really eat baked goods, but I like baking. So if my husband and I baked fun stuff with our kid and then we gave said baked things to friends with like a jar to put delights on. And somehow I have this vision of having like a chain delight jar where like, like we give it to someone, they add their own delights and they do something nice for someone else. And they give the delight collection to that person. And basically Mm. like it just grows and grows and grows. I thought that'd be really cool. I love that. I love that (laughs) idea too. And you actually have a whole challenge coming up about that built around this idea of the power of fun built around this idea of how to have more fun. And so tell me more about this challenge that you have coming up, because I feel like a lot of people could take a lot of things away from it. (laughs) Well, I'm going to call it an invitation so that people don't think I don't challenge 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 sounds like like a workout. Yeah, exactly. I've got enough challenges right now. I'm an invitation. So well, to to back up for a second. So my book, the power of fun, like the first half is a look at the science, like what fun is and kind of an exploration of why it's actually extremely good, if not essential for us. And then the second half is this step-by-step plan for how to actually go about having more of it. So that's how the book is structured, but I wanted to do something that would help people put these ideas into action, ideally in like a group format. And so in February, I'm going to be running a giant funtervention, I'm calling it. <laughs> and all people need to do to, to become involved is to sign up for my mailing list, which you can, it's howtohavefun.com. And I'm going to be inviting people to do some of the things that you and I have been talking about during our conversation. I'm going to be doing conversations with some other people in the space. I'm going to be offering like worksheet. Well, I shouldn't say worksheets because that sounds not fun either. But fun sheets, like fun Fun sheets. sheets. Yeah. Like, but just like prompts and things that kind of help you get in the practice of like noticing delights or, you know, noticing playful connected flow. And we'll be doing it for the month of February. And I invite all your listeners to to take part in it and to invite their friends and family. Family. And I think the more of us we can get to do this, the better we'll feel and the better the world will be. Mm. So I'd love to have, I'd love to have people from your uh, listeners. Yes. Yes. Well, and you gov- too. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. And also people in the governor community really are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. So you will absolutely love having interaction with them. They're just, yes. And if anyone's like inspired by this, humans. Wants to talk about like how can we bring more fun into government or how can we use some of these ideas to, you know, skits. bridge some of our divides like skits. that. Skits. <laughs> I, I do love that be, story. I, I love video. it. There need to be mandatory congressional skits. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't right? think it's a bad idea. Like you got it. Yeah. Like you're kind of going to roast or something. Like you just got to do it. You just yeah. got to get over yourselves and do something funny together. And I, I think it would make a big it. difference. I, I am not opposed to that idea at all. <laughs> there we go. All right. Let's make it happen. Someone out there, please Mandatory make that happen. skits. Yes. I do have a lot of, um, people in my audience who work 
in Congress. They're either a member of Congress or they are staff members of people of Congress. So this is your official invitation <laughs> for, for forced congressional fun. <laughs> but oh you my know gosh. what? People hate Congress. You know what I mean? Like their approval rating is terrible. It's like 15% approval rating. It's horrible. So if there were skits, it, right? that could change. Well, it's true. There's not that much further down to go. So why nope. not try something totally new? That's, what's the worst that <laughs> can happen? happen? It's 13%. Literally, <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> it can't get any worse. That is a question my husband and I ask ourselves all the time when we're thinking about, should we try something? Because I would also say another thing for people to do is try something new and not worry if you look like an idiot because that you yes. have to, right? And like you have to embrace that potential that you're going to be bad at something because A, it's the only way that you'll ever get good is to start by being bad. But also who cares? You know, I've started performing with friends at open mics. I mean, not right the second, but like, you know, when it was more feasible to do so not because I want to be a solo performer. I never want to do that. I don't like no desire, but just because it was fun and it was kind of yeah. like, Oh, this is a collaboration we can work on together. And we can, you know, I started taking drum lessons as a result of this book. And first of all, it's so fun. I love that. But like my drum teacher and I performed together and were we perfect? Well, no, we did, but we did a version of like Weezer's the sweater song, you know, if you want to, <laughs> yep. right. And it was just fun. It's just silly and fun. And I just recommend everyone see if there's something you can do that gets you a little outside of your comfort zone or do something that you feel like, well, I'd get a kick out of that. Like, I think we should get a kick out of more things. I completely agree. And I also love the idea of just spending more time noticing delight. The word delight brings me delight. I yes. just, I love the sound of that word. Like it's just like, ding, like a little bell in my brain. Totally. Like, it's a I love thing. it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I would love to see more people walking around Congress just with like a finger in the air going to light too. Delight. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. If anyone does that, who's listening, like take a picture and send it to one of That's us right. because that would be delightful. That would be delightful. And I would share it. Yes. <laughs> oh, among the whales. Oh, if That's you find right. a whale in the halls of Congress, yeah. then definitely send Absolutely a tag me. Yes. I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> back breaching. On the- <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, your book, Catherine is delightful. Oh, thank you. The power <laughs> of fun. I a thousand percent believe in the power of fun. I believed in it before we started chatting. And now this gave me a lot of things to think about. This gave me the scientific reasoning behind why I crave having fun instead of just like working myself up into a state of anger about things all the time and that it's good for us. It's good for our health. It's good for our minds. It's good for the world. It's good for our communities. It's good for our families. It's not frivolous. Mm-mm. Thank you. It's more frivolous, that. more frivolous to share the things that outrage you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had ne- nothing. I hadn't even thought about that in particular until this conversation. Like I hadn't really put that together for myself, but I, I love that. that, right? Like what good is that doing for yourself or the world to just right. post negative things? No but- homeless people found a home. No vets got therapy for PTSD. Like nothing, nope. nothing positive occurred. No positive change occurred in the world. Cause you shared that on Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 Oh yes. Well, everybody needs to go read the power of fun and they should sign up for your fun intervention on how to have fun.com. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I hope that people do. <laughs> yes. Catherine, this was delightful. <laughs> I could not agree more. Thank you so much for yes, having me. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. This podcast was written and researched by Sharon McMahon and Heather Jackson. It was produced by Heather Jackson, edited and mixed by our audio producer, Jenny Snyder, and hosted by me, Sharon McMahon. I'll see you next time.